Alrighty, I'm excited about this sermon because I'm excited about the word. We love the word, don't we? Wow. So as I contemplated preaching about the word, I was thinking about many, many wonderful themes that are in the Bible. Any of, any of you could get up here and talk about favorite themes that you love in the Bible because there's so many of them and they're glorious, they're wonderful. I picked out four, so I have to share each one kind of short so it'll move right along. Four different subjects that I love in the Bible. The first one I picked out was that the Bible teaches me and you about the Holy Spirit. And the reason that is important to me is because I was raised Lutheran and it was a non-subject. You know, there are some churches where like, you know, don't do that tongues thing and that weird stuff is of the devil. Well, no, we, we just never talked about it. <laughs> There was no talking about the Holy Spirit. He was referred to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which that's not even a very complimentary phrase, Holy Ghost, because ghosts seem kind of weird, you know. But he is so awesome. So when I got kind of like, you know, re-saved in the, my first year of junior college, because I had been saved, loved the Lord all my life, but I kind of drifted high school, thought about, you know, he's one way to God. There's all kinds of ways to God. But I really gave my heart to Jesus in my first year of junior college. And in doing that, I made new friends, and I started reading the Bible, loving the Bible, learning things. Well, some of my friends said, let's go visit a Pentecostal church. Well, in Central Park, where I grew up in Aberdeen area, there had been a Pentecostal church there that people used to laugh about. And we go look in the windows at those weird people in there. I never did that, but you know, you think, no, what's, okay, well, let's go to a Pentecostal church. Let's learn more about things. Well, we went. In the service, all of a sudden, this older lady let out a really high-pitched tongues. She starts speaking in tongues. I had, I had no grid, no grid for that. It was as if a Martian just came in the room and starts speaking Martian. I was like, you know, what is that? And everyone was calm, and I was like, what, what, what? So after the service, I ran up to someone who went there, and I said, what was that? And they didn't even know what I was talking about. Like, well, what? Well, that lady, what was that thing? And they said, well, that's speaking in tongues. It's in the Bible. So I had to start reading in 1 Corinthians 12, all about the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, all about tongues and interpretation and prophecy, it was all new to me. I was astounded. Anyway, my friend and I, we got to go to um, Seattle to this Children of God thing, Linda Meisner, back before it was really exposed as kind of a cult. <laughs> it, became, it became cultish. But at the time, it was like this wonderful Jesus thing to do. So we went to a rally in the daytime in Seattle, all these young people. The news was there. And she just she gets up there and Anyone needs to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up here. So I said to my friend, we've got to go up there. We have to go up there. And she was like, oh, but I, you know. And as I walked up, I had these tingling in my hands and tingling all around my mouth, which was a manifestation of the Spirit. And we had to get up on the stage. We're facing everybody. And I spoke in tongues. We, there was a whole bunch of us. We spoke in tongues. She was on the evening news. They didn't get me on the evening news. She was on the evening news. Like, there we were. We were there. Anyway, that was cool. Um, I was so happy to learn that uh, the Bible teaches us that he will baptize us 
uh, in this Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist said, the one who's coming after me is more powerful than me. I don't even deserve to tie you know, his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, I wanted that. What, what is that? Lutherans didn't talk about that. And so we went to an e um, a service in Seattle, inside this time, not outside. And you know, the worship, young people, just fun, exciting. I'm so excited about God. I've just begun to learn to speak in tongues, you know, a few little sounds. And I ecstatically just got into the spirit and got louder. I don't recommend this, going to a meeting where no one knows you and just <laughs> butting in, you know. But I just was speaking in tongues quite ecstatically. And then someone started saying a bunch of stuff. I wasn't even paying attention. I was lost. My friend, the same one, she said, do you know what that was? That was tongues and interpretation. You did that and they did that. And again, it was almost like I was speaking Martian, like, what? What? I did that? It was wonderful. New introduction to the Holy Spirit. Then, gets even better. That night, we got to stay in their, their ladies' house, the children of God ladies' house. I don't even know how we got to do all this, but we had sleeping bags and a bunch of us. They had a meeting that night, a little small meeting, little small meeting, and this one lady kept giggling, this one girl kept giggling really oddly, really um, strangely. And, you know, they got done with their meeting, and uh, one of them said, shouldn't we pray for our sister? Now, I hope I don't scare Joseph here, because he's little. But um, they brought her in the middle and started praying for her, and she let out a laugh that was a different voice. It was a wicked and evil male voice that couldn't have naturally come out of her vocal cords. It was like right out of a horror movie. And I can still remember the chill that went up my spine. Again, like, oh my gosh, what is that? It was so weird and creepy. And so they got into, you know, mil militant mode and cast it out, cast you out. And she let out a high-pitched shriek, also very creepy. And then she was calm. And so then they explained to us, oh, you know, spiritual warfare, demons, put on your armor. We fight the good fight. I remember going to bed that night thinking, we were sleeping in the living room in our sleeping bags, like, you know, I was just really wanting this Savior who loves me, really good, happy, be saved, but no, we have to have spiritual warfare. We have to have spiritual warfare until the day we die. We've got to put on our armor and we've got to fight. I remember thinking like, wow, I did not bargain for that. It's okay, once you learn more about the Holy Spirit, you recognize your authority and uh, they're the ones that are afraid. We're the scary ones. We've got Jesus. We've got the victory. So John teaches us uh, in John 15, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. So he's a teacher and, 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 and John 16, 13, and 14, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So I begin to learn that the Holy Spirit is my guide, he's my advocate, he's my comforter, he's going to teach me things, he's going to bring to remembrance scripture. So as I begin to read the Bible, the New Testament, the day of Pentecost came alive to me. We did not talk about that growing up in my Lutheran church. The day of Pentecost came, this is like the book of Joel, you know, you're going to prophesy. Um, <clears throat> wonderful. I wanted all of that. The story of Cornelius in Acts 10, where, you know, this godly Gentile, um, Peter and his cohorts came and, boy, preached the gospel, and all those people, the Gentiles, got gloriously saved and filled with the Holy Spirit right then, spoke in tongues, all of, all of this wonderful stuff. Um, so that is my first point, that the Bible taught me what I wasn't taught by omission from my church, and I learned all about this wonderful Holy Spirit and all that he gives, all that he does. So I, I appreciate that I got to learn that. All right, another one, another one that is very lovely to all of us is that in the Bible we learn about heaven. Okay, let me get my papers right here. Do, 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 do. There it is. So, every once in a while in the Bible, there's different places where the heavens are rolled back, the, the, the veil is rolled back, and we get this glimpse, these glorious glimpses of what's coming, what's ahead. And we need that because we want to be assured that we're living life for a reason, and we know we face death. We didn't ask to be born but we were born, we were given life, and we will all face death, and that's okay, because we're going to heaven. So many of the verses are very reassuring. We really um, love what they say, Revelation 21.4, no more death in heaven, no sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. People that have lived with a lot of pain, that's a good thought, no more pain. Um, Revelation 21, 25 says there's no night because he is the light. There's no need for sun and the moon. He is the light there. Uh, Jesus says that he, we're going to, you know, I'm going to prepare many, there's many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's going to be an amazing, wonderful experience. What are some other things about heaven? Psalm 1611 says, in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's not just a verse on earth, that's pleasures in his presence. Psalm 3510 says, we will have everlasting joy. It's a place of joy. It's a place of delight. It's a place of beauty. Uh, the, at the end of the book of Revelation, we see the new Jerusalem. Now, words cannot describe what that city is going to look like. It's going to be so glorious. But there are words describing it, this beautiful city. In heaven, we see angels. angels. Angels are doing all kinds of things. In the book of Revelation, they're like flying through heaven. They're blowing trumpets. They're standing on certain parts of the earth. They're pouring out bowls of things. They're um, shouting big, loud things. <laughs> they're really full of activity in the book of Revelation. But we see Michael and his warring angels. We see Gabriel, who brings wonderful messages to people. 
In the book of Revelation, we see the four living creatures covered with eyes. One is a lion, one is a calf, one is a man, one is a flying eagle. They have six wings. If God wants to have those kinds of things up in heaven, I'm good with it. You know, really weird creatures. Those are really weird. We see Jesus as a lamb. We see Jesus as a conqueror on a horse. We see him as the son of man, his face like the sun, like the rainbow, seven stars in his hand, two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. But the greatest thing that we see in the revelations of heaven are the thrones. There's different scenes where there's these thrones. And one of them in Daniel, his throne was a fiery flame. It's wheels, a burning fire, a fiery stream issued forth before him. Now that might sound a little alarming, but it's going to be glorious. If he shows us that revelation of the throne, we're going to be like, ooh, look at the throne, look what it's doing right now, because <laughs> it keeps changing. Like, no, another revelation. That's going to be amazing. There's the great white throne in Revelation 19.11, and uh, there's a crystal-like river that flows from that throne. This time it's a crystal river instead of this river of fire. And there's the living, the, uh, the tree of life in the midst of it and on either side. That's, that's marvelous. What is that? And Twelve, you know, fruit for the healing of the nations. Pretty cool. I love in Isaiah 6.1 where it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That's a beautiful sentence. In the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That's beautiful. And you know, the temple shakes. The... Anyway, the most fun one that I love is Ezekiel 1. Well, I love them all. I love them all. But in Ezekiel 1, the first chapter of Ezekiel, there's a fiery whirlwind. And it's really quite dynamic. Um, it's full of lightning and thunder and rumblings and these four creatures with uh, six wings, these seraphim, and they have different faces. These are different than the living, other living creatures. These are these seraphim, and they each have four different faces. And you see the Son of Man, and there's a sapphire throne. I think sapphires are deep blue, aren't they? That'd be a beautiful throne. And um, I just love that, that scene there where he sees this crazy whirlwind. And I want to tell you, Dan and I like to tell Xavier and Dommy stories at night. There are kids that are in Santa Barbara. And we don't get to see them because of the coronavirus, but we'll get to see them one of these times, and little baby Evangeline. But anyway, they love us to get on Messenger and tell them stories. 7.45, they have to settle, settle down. Don't touch the buttons, don't touch the buttons. Now settle down. <laughs> you know? And so we tell them stories, and they, Xavier and Dami both like, they want to hear a story about a fiery whirlwind. They like nature, they like tornadoes. Tell us a story about tornadoes. And they get to be the protagonists, you know, the stories are about them. They're the stars of, the, of our story. Well, I was telling a story one night that didn't have to do anything with fiery whirlwind. But um, Dominic's like, 
I want a fiery whirlwind story. And I'm telling some other really good story. So I just stopped and said, you know what? The Bible has a fiery whirlwind. Did you guys know that? Their faces were like stone. They were like, oh, we didn't know there was a fiery whirlwind in the Bible. And I said, it's the mother of all fiery whirlwinds. You have your parents sometimes tell you about the fiery whirlwind in the Bible. So that was a good moment. I got to like trump them with any story that they might know because the Bible has the best one that is remarkable. Anyway, I love that the Bible teaches me about heaven. And I'm glad I'm going there. I'm glad you guys are going there. Cool. Okay, the next one I've got is Jesus on faith and doubt. Faith versus doubt. The reason I love the subject is because Jesus makes a big deal about it. He doesn't let it go. He makes a deal about it over and over, even to where you could say, well, that's rude, but he, he can say what he wants, right? <laughs> so Peter, when, you know, Jesus walks up to them, scares them, scares them walking on the water, and he says, be of good cheer, it's I, and Peter says, well, if it's you, tell me to come to you. So it says the wind was boisterous. We lived in Astoria for many, many, 11 years, and you know, stormy water was scary. People, people died in storms in that water. You took it serious. Anyway, here's this stormy, windy water, and Jesus says, yeah. And Peter got his eyes off of Jesus onto the, and he got what his faith gave him. His doubt gave him sinking. I'm sinking. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He could have been like, nice job, Peter. You tried it. You did pretty good. Give me a hug. Oh, it's all good. He didn't do that. He was like, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If he, Peter could have done it. He could have done it. He needed to keep his eyes on Jesus. He could, it could have been a really cool moment, but it was kind of a weird moment. <laughs> so also, in Matthew 8, 26, when they're in the boat, he's asleep, and it says the boat was covered with waves, and there was a great tempest. Again, water is scary. Storms are scary. So they wake him up. Ooh, we're perishing. And he wakes up and says, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Which in the natural is like, Hello, it's really scary right now. But Jesus like confronted it. Why are you fearful? I'm here. So he stands up, calms it. Calms it like a boss. Just calms it. Pretty awesome, like a boss. And they're like, wow, who is this guy? Wow, who is this guy? He can do this stuff. And he knows, yes, I can. I'm here. Yes, I can. Have faith. I, I just love that. I love when, I love when he, um, you know, he's, he's, he's fed the 5,000. There's baskets left over. He's fed the 7,000, you know, 12 baskets. They watched it. They watched it. And in, in this one boat, I think it's a boat, he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, their religious attitude. So here they are back there like, well, we didn't bring any bread, so I think that's what he's talking about. And I love how he's like, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because we have brought no bread. Can you just see him like 
Really? That's what you guys are talking about? And he, rem he reminds them, don't you remember? I fed this group. We fed this group. I'm talking about their religious attitude. But he just says, oh, you of little faith. Why are you talking about this? Um, you know, when he comes down off of the Mount of Transfiguration, wonderful moment, comes down, there they are, they can't get the demon out of the little boy. And he's like, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here. That was not a compliment. <laughs> he's just like, wow, wow, when are you guys going to have faith? Thomas, when he told the other disciples, unless I see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side, no, I'm not going to believe you that he's back. And so he shows up in the room where they're at. Thomas, come here, look at, feel the holes in my hands. Feel, look at, here's the hole in my side. You watched me get speared. Here's the scar. And he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. Amen. He keeps going for it. Now, here's a few compliments. I have to say each one of these kind of quickly. But um, the Syrophoenician woman, she's a Gentile. She's coming after them saying, help me, please help me. My daughter's severely demonized. Please help me. She knows she needs Jesus. She knows I need him. And Jesus ignores her. Looks kind of rude. Then she gets down. At, you know, the disciples are like, send her away. She's bothering us. And she gets down and worships him and says, help me, Lord. And he says, I'm sent to the children of Israel, not to the little dogs. Rude. <laughs> but she says, yes, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs that come off the master's table. She knows if I just get a crumb from you, Jesus, my daughter's going to be OK. And he says, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. He gives a compliment to this woman who's not from Israel. The Roman centurion, whose beloved servant is suffering, sick, suffering, sends people to tell Jesus about it. And he says, I will come there. And when he sees him coming, he sends some other people out and say, no, you don't have to come in my house. I'm not worthy to have you come in my house. Just say the word, and it will be done. I, too, am a man of authority. And I say this, and it, you know, him to go, he goes, come, and he comes. Just say the word. And Jesus says, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Because this guy gets it. I just need you to say the word. You're the guy. You do it. I will have it. Um, the woman with the issue of blood is the same as like blind Bartimaeus. I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be all right. And she does. And she makes a draw on heaven. And he knows it. And he says to her, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. In front of everyone, he compliments her. And Bartimaeus, you know, like, who's, who's coming? Well, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, son of David, I need you. Jesus has ears to hear that. That's the kind of cry he hears. Stops. What does he want? All the people that were telling him to be quiet, they're like, oh, so come on, you get to go talk to him. I would like to see. And he says, go, your faith has healed you. So that is a wonderful subject. Jesus makes a point of it, so I want to make a point of it. And I want to learn from it. What, what can I learn, Lord? I would like to be the one who you say, 
you know, yes, faith, good job, instead of, hmm, why'd you do that, oh, you of little faith? All right, my last one. The Bible teaches us, it, it confronts my fleshly carnal thinking, holds up a mirror like, oh, 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 yeah, whoa, I see myself. And it gives us ways to get better. Cool. Not only does it show you, no, you're not, you're not doing so hot. Here's how to get better. So Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, we know this scripture. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Bible also says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing, piercing to the division of soul and spirit between joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now we can tell little children, we can tell the cute little darling children, they're selfish, aren't they? They want that toy? No, you don't get this toy. I will hit you because this is my toy. I will kick you. You do not get this toy. I want this toy. You know, we see that we are sinners from a little age. We, even when we're so cute and darling, we are sinners. So when we read the word, we're going to see ourselves. Let's say you were uh, raised with people who were very worldly minded, your parents, really loved money, really loved status, Things, 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 status, money. Okay, you picked it up. You didn't know any better. You picked it up. So you're living your life, more things. Why aren't I satisfied? I always want something more. What do people think of me? I hope they think I'm cool. I really have a cool house and a cool car and all my cool things. And so you get saved and you read the Bible, and the Bible's like, don't love money. It's the root of all evil. Oh, I'm pretty sure I love money. <laughs> Don't love the world. Do not love the world. That's enmity with God. Hmm, I'm pretty sure I love the world, too. Uh, so it shows us, you know, don't lay up treasure here. Lay up treasure in heaven. I've laid up a whole lot of treasure right here, and I'm kind of poor towards laying up treasure in heaven. What can I do? What can I do? The Bible teaches us that if we confess to him, he will heal us. He will cleanse us, or confess your sins one to another, you could get someone, a friend, and say, you know, I am seeing what the Bible says, and I need to repent. I, I need to confess, and I need to repent. I don't want to be like this. I inherited this, and I owned it, and I need to stop being that way. So you can get prayer, and you can repent. Big deal. Really big deal. You can learn from the Bible, I should tithe. Yes, I will gladly tithe. I should give to the poor. I'm going to find ways to give to the poor. I should share my goods. Maybe I don't need six cars. Maybe someone needs this car. That's cool. You can have my car. Um, you get free. You begin to get free. Shows you yourself and how to get better. Let's look at another one. Maybe you're very angry. Maybe you're very bitter. Maybe you're very bitter. Maybe when you were, a, let's say you were a little boy, maybe your dad or stepdad was a mean, mean. Maybe he drank. Maybe he pushed your mom, shoved your mom. Maybe he pushed you and shoved you. Maybe he said really mean things. And you're bitter. And in your, as a child, you learn to cherish in your heart, I'm going to get bigger someday, and I'm going to pay him back. 
he's going to get some revenge. When you're little, you know you can't. So you could be cherishing this wonderful revenge little plot going on, you know, and you get saved, and you read the Bible. Hmm, do not repay evil with evil, but repay it with good. Uh, love your enemies. Bless them. Oh, what, 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 what? Don't take vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. My whole cool plot that I had is falling apart right here. <laughs> Don't have a root of bitterness. It defiles many. Yes, I'm bitter. Don't have hatred. Yes, I have hatred. Eee. Okay, forgive. 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 Oh, so, okay. Find a friend, maybe. I need to work on this. Can you help me? I'm going to confess to you that I hate my father. I want to just pay him back. I need to not do this because the word of God is confronting my fleshly carnal attitude. I got to get rid of this. So, okay, let's work on it. I need to forgive him. Sometimes you might need to write it all out so you get it out once and for all. It could be 25 pages front and back. But at some point, those pages got to go. Done with those. So here they are, God. I choose to forgive him. I forgive him. Whew. Half hour later, all the thoughts are back. Mm. Okay, God, all the stuff, I choose to forgive him. He owes me nothing. I let it go. Half hour later, you might have to do that day after day, but I guarantee you, it will go. It will lift, and you will be like 1,000 pounds of terribleness lifted off your soul. Um, <clears throat> I think I need to probably get done here. I have one little other one. I just picked three examples. Maybe you're very fearful. You grew up being fearful, uh, afraid of everything. You're going to fail. You're a failure. Trying to keep everything together, being a perfectionist, it's made you exhausted. You're exhausted and anxious. And you get saved. And the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything in Philippians. Don't be anxious for anything, but bring your request to God with thanksgiving. Ask him. So we ask, God, I see that I'm fearful. I need your help. Okay, one, I'm going to learn to be more thankful. Uh, I will try to learn to have more gratitude. The Bible teaches us in his presence is fullness of joy. I'm lacking joy. Your presence brings joy. I'm going to slow down and get in your presence, which is actually a radical thing to do in our busy American lives. I'm going to slow down and hang out with you, God. The Bible teaches us to think on good things, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's just, if it has good report. I'm going to start thinking on good things. I'm going to start saying what God says because the Bible teaches us that uh, there's power of life and death in our tongue. So I'm going to stop there. You can see that these wonderful themes are awesome. This is just four of them. The first one, the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Second one, the Bible teaches us about heaven. The Bible teaches us, third, uh, about doubt and faith, one of Jesus' big subjects. And four, teaches us, confronts our fleshly thinking and gives us a way to get better. Pretty cool. Those are just four. There's so many more. Are you here? <laughs> Bless you all in, in doing all of these things better and better and knowing God better and better. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brenda. Blessing.